0: twenty great episode by the way of the podcast in Swimming America the air tour sports podcast it is monday august twenty third two thousand twenty one people and it is game week in college football as week zero is upon us that's right after the craziness of last year we have a normal start to the college football season. Five games, kind of a soft launch, if you will, of the college football season this weekend. Most notably, Nebraska, Illinois. My alma mater, UConn, returns to the field looking to return to glory after not playing at all last year. And uh, really, it's just a great, great time to be a college football fan. I know so many of you are fired up. And what we're going to do on today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast is really go almost all college football. Now, at the end, we might hit on a little bit of hoops, but the main focus of this show is college football. No guess. This is what we're going to do. We are going to start by breaking down all five of the major conferences. I'm going to get you caught up on the storylines you forgot, interesting team, interesting narratives, and my picks for all five major conferences. Then, I will give you my final four and national championship picks, my college football playoff and national championship picks, because it is game time. From there, we may take a quick break. I may give you some over under win total bets. We'll see how we're doing on time. And I want to wrap with something different. It it turned into a fun segment from my radio show over the weekend, but Last week we talked a lot about Nebraska, what a disaster they have been, and what I want to do is hit on the five programs that I think college football needs to get back to relevancy for the health of the sport. We're going into a season where it feels like Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia are again the class of college football, but let me tell you, if USC, if Miami, if Nebraska, maybe Tennessee, some schools like that could get their you-know-what together, college football would be in a much healthier place, but... With that said, people, there is no more time to waste. Let's get into the meat of the show. And as I said, college football season is here, baby. Game week is here. Get the grills fired up. Get the cooler filled with beer. College football is here. I know all of you are excited. You guys have been DMing me, tweeting me, texting me. For those of you that have my phone numbers, just telling me how excited you are. And what I want to do is really just spend most of today's show really just kind of, uh, you know, previewing the season. Like, the season is here. It is time to get fired up. It is time to give out some official predictions. I should mention, by the way, Throughout the week, make sure to, mention, to to check my Twitter feed. I will finally have some updates on my, my post-KSR, what I'm doing outside of this podcast deal. A lot of really, really cool stuff coming up. Really excited to share with you. It has to do with college football, college basketball, my future. Some other people are going to be involved, and I am so excited to share with you. That will be later this week. But again, the focus of this show and this segment is that college football is here, Games are being played this weekend, and what I want to do is, as I said off the top, I want to go through all five major conferences, give you my the most interesting storyline, kind of give you a quick recap of what happened last year, maybe the most interesting team, ultimately pick my champion in all five major conferences, and then wrap by giving you my four teams that I believe will ultimately end up in that college football playoff, and who I believe will win the national championship, and I'll tell you this, It is going to surprise you. It is not a team that you are expecting that I'm going to officially pick to win the national championship. But as I said, let's get into the five conferences and drum roll please. Let's start with the Pac-12. By far the least interesting conference to all of you. There is not, you know, the Pac-12 has had two college football playoff participants uh, in the history of the college football playoff. They have not won a college football playoff game since the first ever game of the college football playoff when Oregon beat Florida State. But I'll tell you, while they have had not had the -the on-the-field success in the playoff, in many ways, this is just a fascinating conference because there is no dominant team that you go into the season saying, well, that's the definitive champion the way you do in the Big Ten with Ohio State, the way you do in Oklahoma, with Oklahoma in the Big 12, on and on and on. But in terms of the Pac-12, let's get into what you might have missed last year. And let me just say this. It was a complete and utter disaster. The Pac-12, remember, along with the Big Ten, decided that they were not going to play football in the fall. When the Big Ten decided to come back, the Pac-12 literally waited until after the Big Ten came back to even start thinking about the process of playing football. If you remember, Larry Scott, the commissioner, literally had to go to the governors of Oregon and California to get uh, state health code rules kind of adjusted. Uh, And basically, there was no plan to bring back football until the Pac-12 realized, oh my God, we are not going to be able to play a winter season. We got to get something together. Unfortunately for all the student athletes, the coaches in the Pac-12, it led to a very bizarre season in in which seven games were scheduled starting the first week in November, but because of COVID, some teams played as few as three to four games, and that included, by the way, Washington, which won the Pac-12 North, but because of COVID was unable to participate. And so when the Pac-12 actually got on the field, it wasn't until November. Many teams missed a game or two. Utah did not even play until Thanksgiving weekend. That shows you how crazy last year was. Ultimately, in terms of the -the on-the-field product itself, Washington is not able to play in the Pac-12 championship game. Oregon comes in. USC, by the way, came into the Pac-12 championship game at 5-0, but unfortunately was not able to beat Oregon. Oregon won its second straight Pac-12 title, even though, oh by the way, they didn't technically win their division. They got into the Pac-12 title game by default. In terms of going into this season, the most interesting team in the Pac-12 to me, this is going to surprise you, it is the UCLA Bruins. And I will readily admit, that UCLA under Chip Kelly has not been who I think any of us thought they were going to be. We are now entering year four of the Chip Kelly era. He has not had a single winning season since he took over. But I'll tell you this, If you watch the games closely last year, they were actually a pretty decent team by the end of last season. They went three and four overall. They finished second in the Pac-12 in scoring, second in rushing, and so Chip Kelly is finally starting to build that identity that he had at Oregon a little bit slower at UCLA, but I believe they're really fascinating. On top of the three and four record probably should have beaten USC they were winning with two minutes left in the game USC at the time was undefeated and they probably should have beat Oregon too to be perfectly honest so I'm really excited to watch the UCLA Bruins they open with LSU but I believe last year they established their identity they established the run game the offense started to get humming and now they basically return everybody they are the most interesting team to me I do not believe that they are good enough to necessarily win the conference but I could see them going like seven and five eight and four which in the progress of this this program would be a step in the right direction again they open actually this week in week zero but then next week they play lsu and you talk about a mega 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 game for ucla that is it in terms of the most interesting storyline in the pac-12 how about arizona state Talked a lot about Arizona State on last week's show as it pertains to Nebraska, but what was so fascinating was this program, it has been a two, three-year build under Herm Edwards, and had there not been all this off-the-field controversy, uh, Arizona State entered the season as one of the more interesting and more talented teams in the Pac-12. But as I told you last episode, as many of you have read about and heard about all offseason, Arizona State's been kind of a mess off the field. They, They were accused of... Basically, bringing in recruits to campus for visits during the COVID dead period. They got hit by the NCAA. There appears to be all sorts of receipts and. Emails and screenshots basically validating that this actually happened. By the way, Herm Edwards, who I love, I think he's a great coach, was dumb enough to actually take pictures with recruits on campus during COVID. Those are obviously out there. And so I think this program could be in real, real, real trouble. So what is most interesting to me is at their best, they are probably a team that is good enough to win the Pac 12, but I think it's just going to be a mess all year. Three coaches, three assistant coaches have already been suspended. And I just think more and more stuff is going to come out. This program is going to be in trouble. I think there's a real possibility that Herm Edwards isn't even coaching this team by the end of the season, even though they are one of the most talented teams. So that is something to follow in this league. And then in terms of a champion, I'm going to give you a curveball. If you just look at the top 25 rankings, the top ranked team in this conference is Oregon. They are ranked in the preseason AP poll at number 11. USC is ranked number 15. Washington is ranked number 20. I actually don't like any of those three. The team that I am going to pick is going to surprise a lot of people. It is the Utah Utes. And you're probably wondering, two Utes? What are you talking about, Torres? You're crazy. Two Utes, my cousin Vinny, get it, terrible joke. Okay, whatever. Uh, but here's what you need to know about Utah. If you remember with Utah, dating back to two seasons ago, so that is the 2019 season, at Utah, they they went 11-1 and during the regular season and went into the Pac-12 championship game. This is two years ago, by the way went into the Pac-12 championship game. If they had won, they would have had a shot at the playoff. They lost to Oregon. Oregon goes to the Rose Bowl. They go to the Alamo Bowl, get destroyed by Texas. But the point remains, two years ago, they were 11-1. Last year, they lose everybody, as I said had major COVID problems within the program, and guess what ended up happening? They still ended up winning the final three games of their regular season. They played just five games total, and this year they bring back basically everybody. They already had one of the best defenses in college football. They bring back 10 starters on offense. The only starter that did not return is at the quarterback position where Charlie Brewer Baylor's former starter for the last four years is expected to win that job. And so when I look at one of the best defenses in, in college football and certainly in the Pac-12, 10 starters back on offense, all the skill position guys, all the linemen, and a veteran quarterback coming in, I think this is the best team in the Pac-12. Uh, I probably won't get to over-under win totals on this show, but if you're looking for an over-under win total, DraftKings has them at 8.5. I think they go well over the 8.5. I like Utah to win the pac 12, let's move on to the next conference. Drum roll, please. It is the Big 12. Come on down, Big 12. Let's talk about the Big 12. First of all, last season, very bizarre year for the Big 12. They were basically eliminated from the college football playoff by about week two. If you remember back to last season, the Big 12 was one of the first team, first conferences to start. They were definitely one of the only conferences to play out of conference games, and it ended up really hurting them. Remember, Arkansas State beat Kansas, Louisiana beat Iowa State, and then, oh no, no, Arkansas State beat Kansas State, Kansas lost to Coastal Carolina. And then Kansas State, a week after losing to Arkansas State, ends up coming back and beating Oklahoma. And so it's this weird thing where Oklahoma loses to Kansas State, then they lose to Iowa State, they fall behind the eight ball, but by the end of the year, they were still the best team in college football. So weird start to the season for Oklahoma, which started one and two, but they won their final eight games, most notably against Iowa State in the Big 12 championship game and against Florida. They destroyed them in the Cotton Bowl. The biggest reason why the success was the development of Spencer Rattler, the projected potential number one pick in next year's NFL draft. Spencer Rattler was much better over the course of the second half of last season. Just two interceptions in his final seven games. Basically, when he played like what he is capable of, that is when Oklahoma went back to being an elite program. They win the Big 12. Other storylines within the conference, the only one that was really interesting, Iowa State finishing 9-3, and three, going to the Fiesta Bowl. I'm not going to lie, everybody else kind of stunk. I thought Baylor was really hurt by COVID, uh, had a bunch of games canceled, things were rescheduled. West Virginia, kind of interesting, one of the top defenses in college football. Texas, which we'll get into in a minute, of course, fired Tom Herman after the Alamo Bowl. So even though it was Oklahoma, business as usual, safe to say it was a uh, very interesting offseason nonetheless, in the Big 12 where Oklahoma wins and there was basically chaos everywhere else. In terms of the most interesting team coming into 2021, to me, it's the Texas Longhorns. I mean, say what you want about Texas. Are they back? Are they not back? Whatever you want to say, they're interesting. And the one thing about Texas, and I've talked about it a little bit these last couple weeks, they were probably a little bit better than you remember late last season. Yes, they fired Tom Herman. Yes, it felt like a disaster. They went 7-3 and three and easily could have won two of the three games they lost, including against Oklahoma. They lost in double overtime in that Red River rivalry game. And against Iowa State, there was a, there was a situation late where they could have won that game. And so as bad as it seems like it was at Texas, the reality is they went 7-3. and three. Now they bring in who I believe is a better coach in Steve Sarkeesian, an elite staff. And I just think they're interesting. I think they're interesting. I think they're fascinating. I think they will be fun to watch. I do not think this is the year, though, for Steve Sarkeesian. And I will say, I do think he is evolved and improved as a head coach since the USC days. I think he is the guy. I don't know that this is the year. First of all, one thing that was supposed to be the case was they were supposed to have an established starter at quarterback. If you remember, Sam Ellinger got knocked out of that bowl game against Colorado. Uh, In comes a kid named Casey Thompson. He plays really well, and everybody expects him to be the starting quarterback. Well, what ends up happening? uh, We're here in fall camp, and now nobody has established themselves. Hudson Card, another player, by the way. Is there a more Texas football quarterback name than Hudson Card? Besides Colt McCoy or Garrett Gilbert, I don't know if there's an answer to that question. But Hudson Card is pushing for the starting quarterback. We don't know who's the starting quarterback. And what's most interesting about Texas, they have a brutal, brutal, brutal start to the college football season. If you remember... They open up against Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. Never forget, Louisiana is ranked in the top 25 coming into this season. They play at Arkansas in week two. They play at TCU the first week of October. TCU, a team that historically has given Texas a lot of problems. And then the second week of October, they play Oklahoma. So, I mean, you're talking about a situation where in those first whatever it is, six games, Four and two, three and three, it is not going to be easy. And that doesn't even include Oklahoma State, Iowa State, West Virginia, et cetera. In terms of the most interesting storyline, I'll say this I think it's, is Iowa State really, truly a college football playoff contender. And if you, if you don't follow the inner workings of college football on a day-to-day basis, what you need to know, they're coming into the season as the number seven team in the country. And I think it's very much justified. You look back to last year, they went nine and three overall. As I said, they lost to Louisiana early, beat Oklahoma, won the rest of their regular season game, or excuse me, they won most of their reg- regular season games. They lost to Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. But then rallied to win the Fiesta Bowl, rallied to beat Oregon in that Fiesta Bowl. And here's the interesting thing about them. They go 9-3 last year. They beat Oklahoma during the regular season. They bring back pretty much everybody off of that team, including some guys that had a chance to go pro that basically said, look, we think we got a chance to make the college football playoff by coming back. And so just a fascinating team. They have a multi-year starter in Brock Purdy, a quarterback, probably the best running back in the Big 12 in Brees Hall. Charlie Kohler is one of the best uh, uh, tight ends, excuse me, in college football. And on top of that, basically returned their entire defense, entire offensive line. So you talk about just a program that is fascinating. It is Iowa State. And again, we talked about off the top, uh, and we're going to talk about Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, Bama. It feels like, it feels like those five are the teams, but is Iowa State good enough to make the college football playoff? I really think they are. I don't know that they will, but they're good enough and it will be fascinating to watch this program. It is worth noting that in terms of the schedule that they will play this year, they do have to play at Oklahoma, which will not be easy. And finally, the champion in this league. Listen, I know I just hyped up, Iowa State, I would love for them to, to make a college football playoff run, but Oklahoma's going to win the championship here. And I'll say this, maybe the most interesting story about Oklahoma is they're getting real national championship buzz because if you listen to last episode, Bob Stoops was on and Bob Stoops and I talked about the fact this is probably the best defense that they've had in probably six or seven years, certainly since Lincoln Riley took over as the head coach. If you remember, there's been a few times where Oklahoma has gotten to the college football playoff and they just can't get stops the year they had Kyler Murray against Alabama the year they played LSU the defense was abysmal well this year if you go back to last year a couple things they actually ended up finishing in the top 30 nationally in scoring defense and total defense and they held five different opponents under 21 points to close the season so they played good teams Iowa State Florida to close the season they held everybody under 21 points And so I think there's a lot of people that believe that with the defense improved, this is a team that is good enough to win the national championship. Most improved defense, best defense that they've had in a while. Spencer Rattler is back at quarterback. A bunch of really intriguing players at wide receiver. Kennedy Brooks, it's worth mentioning, who opted out of last season because of COVID is back. He was a 1,000-yard rusher. And so Oklahoma, the Sooners, they are not only my pick to win this conference, but I think there's some real bu- I don't think I know there's some real buzz about them potentially winning the national championship. How about that? How cool would that be? Let's move on to the ACC, where if you go back to last year, uh, not a ton really to reflect on. If you remember, of course, Notre Dame joined the ACC last year for, you know, basically they needed games. They needed some stability in that crazy COVID year. So they joined the ACC, and really the only noteworthy thing that happened was, oh, I don't know, they played Clemson on a Saturday night. Two days before the game, Trevor Lawrence tests positive for COVID. He can't play. Notre Dame wins, and then Clemson comes back and destroys them in the ACC championship game, Clemson goes to the college football playoff, gets destroyed by Ohio State. Notre Dame goes to the college football playoff and loses to Alabama in the opener. But they were the two best teams all year. They were the story. Outside of that, there really isn't a ton of meat on the bone as it pertains to last year in the ACC. You know, De'Ara King played well at Miami. Obviously, uh, Mac Brown has things starting to roll at North Carolina. We'll get to them in a minute. Other than that, it was really kind of a ho-hum year. Louisville was a mess. We all know about uh, You know, uh, Scott Satterfield doing some weird stuff in the offseason. But basically, it was Clemson and Notre Dame. And of course, it's worth noting this year, Notre Dame no longer in the ACC. Most interesting team in this conference, I'll say it, I mean, it's it's Mac Brown's North Carolina Tar Heels. Mac Brown, of course, is going into his third year as the head coach, and he's done an incredible job. Uh, and I know Mac Brown has this reputation from Texas, and he's probably going to lose a game or two that he shouldn't. But you look at where this program was and where it is going, it is on an unbelievable trajectory, and it is credit to Mac Brown. They're recruiting as well as anybody in the ACC not named Clemson. They actually just picked up their highest-ranked recruit for a player in the class of 2022 this this weekend – And so you look at what they're building in the long run, but in the short run, Sam Howell might be the best quarterback in college football. They were helped in the transfer portal with some skill position guys. Ty Chandler came over from Tennessee. So North Carolina is a really, really, really interesting team, and I think they're just building. and And I still think they're probably a a class or two recruiting wise away from being anywhere close to Clemson, but I, I I they are the closest to Clemson that we have seen in about four or five years since Florida State really fell off. So they are the most interesting team to me. They made the Orange Bowl last year. Can they put themselves in position to get 10-11 wins going into that ACC championship game against Clemson? The most interesting storyline... I believe it's the first few weeks of the season. And by the way, credit to my buddy Nick Coffey, uh, Louisville radio host. I went on his radio show a few days ago, and Nick brought this point up to me, and I thought it was a really good one. The most interesting storyline is that the ACC has some super marquee games the first few weeks of the season, and if they lose them all, it is going to be a major black eye for this conference and uh, you know its football product going forward. For people who don't know the schedule, basically every marquee game on the opening weekend involves the ACC. Clemson plays Georgia. Now, obviously, that's one. If Clemson loses, nobody's going to criticize Dabo Swinney. We know how good that program is. But you look at everybody else. Miami plays Alabama. Miami's not going to win that game. But if you want respect for your conference, you've got to be competitive. You bring back everybody on offense, Miami. Alabama replaces just about everybody on offense with Bryce Young as a first-year starter. So I'm not saying Miami has to win, but they got to be competitive. They can't get embarrassed. Louisville, by the way, playing Ole Miss in the first weekend, that Monday night Memorial Day weekend game. And then finally, Florida State hosting Notre Dame on that Sunday night of, I said Memorial Day, Labor Day weekend, but I just bring it up to say, four marquee games, Clemson against Georgia on a neutral field, Miami against Alabama on a neutral field, Louisville versus Ole Miss on a neutral field, Florida State hosting Notre Dame at home if you are a legitimate football conference you have to win some of those games certainly have to put up a fight in other ones and that's the most interesting thing if they lose all those games if they get embarrassed everybody's going to sit around and say what are we doing here we're waiting for Clemson to go undefeated and make the college football playoff which brings us to the ACC championship game and it is Clemson no doubt about it it is a no-brainer and what I'll say about Clemson that's especially interesting is this We'll get to Georgia in a minute because Georgia opens with Clemson on that opening weekend of college football. But what I will tell you as it pertains to Clemson is this. Even if they lose to Georgia, here is the crazy thing about Clemson. They probably will not play another ranked team the entire season after Georgia. And so you look at where Clemson is and where Georgia is. One, I believe it puts Clemson in a really good position to run the table, go to the ACC championship game with one loss, and really get fresh because they don't play Miami, they don't play North Carolina, the only two under, the only two ranked teams coming into the season in the ACC, but it also kind of puts Clemson in a precarious situation where, let's say, Georgia and Alabama both finish with one loss in the SEC, if Georgia beats Clemson, they're going to have a head-to-head win. If Alabama finishes with one loss or AM finishes with one loss or LSU, like, like the schedule that they will have played is so much tougher. And so I actually think there's a lot of pressure on Clemson in that game. But I'd also say even if they don't win, they are not going to play a ranked team the rest of the year. I think they get to the ACC championship game and probably roll North Carolina. Clemson will be your ACC conference champion let's move to the Big Ten I'll try to be quick on these next few because I've talked a lot about the Big Ten in the SEC this offseason but Big Ten what did you forget from last year uh just like the Pac-12 complete disaster we all know what happened but Kevin Warren and his uh, his 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 lackeys, the uh, the presidents of, of those universities decided to cancel the season. If I remember correctly, it was a vote of 11 to three. Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio State, I believe, were the three schools that voted against canceling the season. We have a bunch of player protests. We have a bunch of parent protests. We have Jim Harbaugh marching with his players. We have Nebraska, if you remember, Nebraska fighting to get a season played. I talked about it last week. They were trying to play an independent And only schedule on the fly. Um, And what ended up happening was they came back because the Big Ten office was about to get their pants sued off by the parents and players of the Big Ten. So they come back on the field. Couple interesting storylines. One Ohio State was the best team. It wasn't an easy road. They had hurdles. They had a lot of COVID problems within the program. Ryan Day missed a game. The entire offensive line missed a game. Justin Fields, I believe, played every single game. But Went 5-0 in the regular season, 6-0 after the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern. They went to the college football playoff, uh, destroyed Clemson, then got destroyed by Alabama in the title game. Uh, In terms of other storylines, it was kind of an interesting year. Penn State loses their first four of the season. They win their last three. But still, Penn State's coming off a 3-4 and four season. Michigan destroys Minnesota in the opening game, goes 1-4 from there. Their only win the rest of the way was in double overtime against Rutgers. We'll talk about Michigan in a minute. But, I mean, you just talk about a disaster there. Other storylines, Indiana actually was really, really, really good last year um, in terms of uh, everybody else. Iowa was actually pretty good by the end of the season, but just a crazy year affected by COVID. Remember, they had that 21-day sit-out policy. It was just absurd. Most interesting team in the Big Ten going into this season, I'll say it. You guys will probably disagree with me. I'll say Michigan, and with Michigan, what I see with Michigan is this, is I think they're interesting for the following reason. There's no reason that they have to be terrible this year, but there's no reason to really think that they'll be very good. In terms of the why they won't be very good, Or in terms of, excuse me, let's get to why they could be good first. First of all, as I said, they did not play well last year, but they found their quarterback, Cade McNamara, by the end of the season. He played well against Rutgers, leading them to a win. He played well against Penn State. Uh, If you remember Jim Harbaugh, there was that brief flirtation with the NFL. I don't believe that NFL teams were very interested in Jim Harbaugh. That is why he's back at Michigan. But part of the deal was he took a reduced salary, but a lot of that money went back into the program. He upgraded his staff. The The defensive coordinator, Don Brown, is out. He brought in Mike McDonald, who, who was an assistant coach under his brother, John Harbaugh, at, with the Baltimore Ravens. They brought in a couple former Michigan players. Ron Bellamy, I believe, was one guy. Uh, Mike Hart, another guy. Guys with ties to Michigan, ties to the Michigan high school recruiting scene. And so there's a possibility that they could be good. They got the quarterback that we think is the right answer. They got uh, an upgrade, a kind of a younger, more dynamic staff. And there's the possibility that Michigan could be really good this year. Now, why they might not be good? Because Harbaugh hasn't really shown us anything since year one or year two to make us think that he will be. And that's what's interesting about this is this is kind of like a reverse Benjamin Button kind of deal. They're getting worse as the the years go on. Uh, They peaked in year one and year two under Harbaugh, and they've never been the same. And so I know they may have the quarterback in Cade McNamara, but Harbaugh hasn't figured out the quarterback position yet at Michigan they might have the answers at the skill positions but I I just I haven't seen it and so they are the most interesting team to me because they could be 10 and 2 I don't think it's inconceivable that they go 10 and 2 I also don't think it's inconceivable that they go 7 and 5 and Jim Harbaugh has to sneak out the side door tail between his legs speaking of tail between his legs most interesting storyline in this conference to me is Nebraska I mean you look at Nebraska just a fascinating storyline I mean we talked about it last week I'm not going to get into it but I didn't really believe that Scott Frost was on the hot seat this year I kind of felt like the, the school loves him the fan base loves him they are going to give him time but at the same time when he embarrasses the university it leaves the school little you know little uh choice but to seriously consider if he has a bad year they might have no choice but to move on And the crazy thing is there's really no reason to think, even in year four, that there's that much excitement around the program. Really interesting. I've said it a few times. Week zero is upon us. Nebraska plays Illinois. Here's what's fascinating. Illinois, remember who their coach is, by the way? Remember who Illinois' coach is? Uh, Yeah, it's Brett Bielema, formerly of Arkansas and Wisconsin. But they are the worst team in the Big Ten on paper. And Nebraska was about a nine and a half point favorite coming into this game, and it's down to about six and a half or seven points, meaning that Vegas kind of thinks that that Illinois will keep things competitive. If Nebraska loses that game, the wheels could fall off quick. Nebraska is the most interesting team to me. Finally, who do I think is going to win the Big Ten? It's I mean, it's got to be Ohio State. Right. And, and what's crazy is part of the Ohio State thing is it does feel a little bit like Bama in the SEC, where if there was a year to catch Ohio State, this feels like it. But you have to have somebody step up and actually do it. And I look across the rest of the league. As I said, Penn State's coming off a losing season. Michigan's coming off a losing season. Wisconsin is really good, but we've seen Wisconsin play Ohio State before. It never ends up well for Wisconsin. Iowa, kind of the same deal. I know they beat uh, Ohio State a few years ago when Urban Meyer was there, but I mean, in the Big Ten Championship game, are you betting on Ohio State's athletes or Iowa's? We're betting on Ohio State's, obviously. Uh, Same with Northwestern. Indiana was good last year, but they've lost some guys. And so when I look at this situation, I say point blank, I think Ohio State's the team to beat. I should also mention, C.J. Stroud was named the starting quarterback. He is from Southern California. And any Buckeyes fans listening, it's worth noting, uh, I uh, I did a ton of radio last week, and I worked with T.J. Hushmanzada, the former NFL wide receiver. He worked out with C.J. Stroud over the last couple years, He said C.J. Stroud throws a better ball than a lot of the guys in the NFL right now. So I like C.J. Stroud. I believe in him in large part because the people that have worked with him believe in him. And I believe Ohio State is going to go ahead and win the Big Ten this year. No surprise there. Finally let's get to the sec and we talked a lot about the sec last week so i'm not gonna spend a ton of time breaking down this conference because you guys know what happened you guys know the storylines but in case you forgot uh alabama national championship historic season then a historic off season where they had six first rounders taken five off of the offense mac jones the quarterback Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith at wide receiver. Najee Harris at running back. Alex Leatherwood as an offensive tackle. Patrick Sertan, the corner, was also taken off that Alabama team. They also lost the entire offensive coaching staff off of last year. Steve Sarkeesian is out as offensive coordinator. Bill O'Brien is in as offensive coordinator. And so I bring it up to say there are a lot of question marks about Alabama coming into this year. In terms of everybody else, again, we've talked about it a ton. But great year for Texas A&M which, of course, finished 10-1, and one, won the Orange Bowl, only loss was to Alabama, finished fifth in the college football playoff rankings. Many believe they should have been in. LSU, a complete disaster. Florida fell apart. Georgia was good early, but they did not have the quarterback until late with JT Daniels. Tennessee fired their coach with Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, who else? Uh, South Carolina fired Will Muschamp. Vanderbilt has a new head coach. Auburn has a new head coach with Brian Harson, who just tested positive for COVID. So, yeah. A lot happened in the SEC last year. You don't need me to tell you because I've talked about it a lot over the last couple weeks. In terms of the most interesting team coming into the year, I'll give you two. I think Ole Miss is going to be really interesting because they're going to score a ton of points. Okay, Last year, Ole Miss averaged 39 points per game in Lane Kiffin's first year. And remember, Lane Kiffin did not have an offseason. Lane Kiffin did not have spring practice to get things going. And so you think about Lane Kiffin with a full spring and a full offseason and most of his offense back, they're going to be phenomenal. And they're going to give up a lot of points on defense, but I mean, even if they can play a little bit better on defense, this could be a team. I mean, they went 5 and 5 last year. I think 7 and 5 is the the floor, the basement. I think they can be an 8 and 4, 9 and 3 type team. Don't know if they'll get there, but they're certainly interesting. And then in terms of the other one that's interesting to me, I'll, I'll give you a few more. One LSU talked about him a ton maybe the worst defense in Power 5 football last year outside of Kansas, ironically was then coached by Les Miles. They fire Bo Pelini, Jones comes in, fascinated to see them. And I'll give you another one. I think Kentucky is really interesting this year because if they have an actual vertical passing game with Will Levis, the banana eater who loves to eat those bananas, I think you saw the video by now. But it may it was went super viral. He eats the banana with the peel on it. Uh, it went to uh, it was on the Today Show. It was on every blog that you've seen. Will Levis, the new starting quarterback uh, from Penn State. On top of that, uh, you also have Wandale Robinson come in. I think they're interesting because that defense is good. They might have the best offensive line in the SEC, no lie. Uh, two guys that could potentially be drafted really high. But will Mark Stoops let Liam Cohen, the new offensive coordinator, open things up? If they do, they are really, really, really interesting. Those are the most interesting teams. The most interesting storyline, honestly, really quick. I mean, I think it's a I mean, a if you look at them, again, I talked about it last week, but a team that returns basically everybody other than the quarterback. Elite running back in Isaiah Spiller, elite tight end in Jalen Weidemeyer, Aniah Smith, a stud wide receiver, Caleb Chapman, a really good wide receiver who got hurt early last year, nine starters back off the best defense in the SEC last year. And so what becomes interesting is what is what is what happens at the quarterback position? Because if the quarterback play is good, this is a team that's good enough to compete at the top of the SEC. Just one problem. Alabama's still in the SEC West. They have struggled with Alabama. But if Haynes King, their starting quarterback, many project to be, uh, is as good as expected, maybe this is a team that makes the playoff. Not going to say it'll happen, but it'll be interesting. Finally, I'm going to go off the grid here. My SEC champion is, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I've been as critical of anybody as this guy, Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs. I just think this is the year. I've talked about it since April, I've talked about it since last season but they were a completely different team when JT Daniels got under center. 31 plus points in their final three games of the year. They beat, or regular season games, they beat Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl. The only games that they lost last year, remember, were when the other team just got elite quarterback play, Mac Jones from Alabama, uh, Kyle Trask from Florida. But other than that, Georgia was awesome. So now, and I know they've had some injuries over the last couple weeks. Darnell Washington, their, their red zone tight end went out. He might not play against Clemson. Um, Tyke Smith one of their elite cover corners is out potentially for Clemson but I look at this team and it's just all there they have the depth on defense two great running backs James Cook and Zamir White and then finally JT Daniels at quarterback I just I really like this team. I think this is the year. I will say even if they lose to Clemson, they have a very manageable SEC schedule. They don't play Alabama in the regular season. They don't play AM in the regular season. They don't play LSU in the regular season. They don't play Ole Miss in the regular season. Their cross-division games are against Auburn. And remember, Auburn has a new head coach who is now not even at practice because he just tested positive for COVID. And on top of that, they play Arkansas. I think Arkansas is going to be much improved. But the bottom line remains that when you look at Arkansas, the truth is they just don't have the dudes to compete with Georgia. I think Georgia, even if they lose to Clemson, they can get back to the SEC championship game. This is the year I have Georgia winning the SEC, which brings me to, drum roll please, my national champion. Oh, My national champion is the Georgia Bulldogs. I cannot believe I'm saying it. But everything's just aligning for them. And I know they had injuries, and I know this, and I know that. But I believe that JT Daniels is the X factor. And we see this sometimes. You have the defense, you have the skill position guys, you need the quarterback to go over the top. It's what happened with LSU a few years ago. Joe Burrow, kind of a parallel, transfers from a Power 5 program, struggles his first year, end of the year, he plays really well, goes into the next season. Georgia, JT Daniels was hurt to start last year, uh, comes in, lightning in a bottle, goes into the offseason. I believe that this is finally Georgia's year. Yes, I know there are some injuries we just talked about, but as I said, even if they lose to Clemson in the opener, it is a situation where they should go 11-0 and the rest of the regular season into the SEC Championship game where they'll probably play Alabama, they'll probably play Texas A&M, um, and they'll have a chance to win. The game will obviously be in Atlanta. I like Georgia to win the SEC. I like Georgia to win the national championship. I will pick Georgia over Ohio State. I believe in C.J. Stroud. I believe in all the talent. Their skill position talent at Ohio State is insane. Four, five, six NFL wide receivers, two, three, four NFL running backs. I also have Oklahoma and Clemson in the final four, which means no Alabama. I love Alabama. Nick Saban's incredible. They just lost a lot, and I just, think, I just think it's Georgia's year. So my national champion is Georgia. My national champion is Georgia with um, playing Ohio State in the championship game, Oklahoma and Clemson after that. Wow. Whew. That was 38 minutes of college football goodness. And if you guys wonder how I do this show, I'm not bragging because I do a lot of stuff bad. I did that in one take. One take. Torres over here. And by the way, I, I am far from perfect. There are plenty of times where I do not get. I get. I do not get the show in on one take. But this is one of them. And what I want to do is this. I had all these ideas about how to end the show. We could do my over under win total bets. We could do, uh, whatever. We could do my five programs that are going to ch- that college football needs to be good again. We can save that for later in the week. What I want to do is get out of here on a few different topics, just two or three minutes on these other topics. And I want to start with, first of all, this college football alliance that is uh, reported between the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12. And if you missed the story, essentially the commissioners of those three conferences have met and they've basically decided that any big decisions going forward will be done unilaterally And those three conferences will move forward together. If you think about it, it makes a lot of sense on the surface level. All three have relatively new conference commissioners. The Pac-12 commissioner, George Kliakov, I believe is how you pronounce his name, just came in this summer. Kevin Warren was new at this time last year, as we learned with the Big Ten uh, situation with canceling the season. And the ACC just brought in a new commissioner as well. And so what this does, it kind of protects these new guys as they kind of figure out the lay of the land within their own conferences. But what I also believe the goal is is to mitigate some of the power of the SEC. Now, will it happen? I have no idea, But these other three conferences, there's zero doubt in my mind, look at what happened to the Big 12 and basically said, we cannot let that happen to us. And if you listen to certain people and you listen to whatever, they'll say, oh, there's no way that could happen. You know, this school's aligned with that school in the Big 10, and this school's aligned with that school in the Pac-12, and the TV contract here, and it's like, it's no, no. We learned with Texas and Oklahoma that when it comes to realignment, when it comes to money, and when it comes to the land grab of the SEC, nothing matters. We thought that Oklahoma was aligned with Oklahoma State. Bob Stoops said on this show last week that he thought it was the case, but Oklahoma has to do what's best for them. Same with Texas and the other three Texas schools. And so if these schools aren't aligned, if TV contracts don't matter because people think Oklahoma and Texas could be in the SEC as soon as next year, then it doesn't matter for the Big Ten, the ACC, or the Pac-12 either. And so what these three conferences want to do is kind of just move forward to protect themselves, to make sure it doesn't happen. I do think there are two kind of interesting, uh, maybe unintended consequences from this alliance between these other three conferences. One, I I, I do think it push, puts a kind of a kibosh on the college football playoff expansion talk. These other three conferences, there's zero doubt, are looking at the SEC and saying, wait a second now, you are pushing for this 12-team playoff while also secretly behind everybody's back, getting Texas and Oklahoma to to your league. And so what are you doing there? You're trying to get a 12-team playoff so you can get five, six, seven teams in the college football playoff every single year. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not saying we won't expand the playoff, but we got to figure out what were you doing and what does the future of college football like before we make any rash decisions on expansion? Does that mean a cap on SEC teams in the playoff? I don't know. Or not even SEC, but from any conference, I don't know. But I thought it was really interesting that even two or three weeks ago, the the new Pac-12 commissioner basically came out and said, look nobody's more in favor of college football playoff expansion than we are. But given the climate of the sport right now, we have to get the sport figured out before we start worrying about expansion. And so I, I do think this puts a little bit of a kibosh, a little bit of a slow uh, you know, a, a, a break on the expansion pl- uh, college football playoff expansion talk. I do think there's a possibility that it doesn't happen for uh, a little bit longer than was expected, or it doesn't go to 12. Maybe it goes to six. Maybe it goes to eight. But it doesn't feel as though those conferences are now as excited to expand the playoff to 12 when the SEC now believes that they'll get four, five, six, seven teams in the playoff in any given year. Maybe not seven, but I think four is a uh, is a foregone conclusion. Five or six is a possibility as well. The other thing is, I had somebody propose this to me. I don't think it's going to happen. But is it possible, as these other three conferences fight to establish themselves and fight to uh, regain some power, is it at all possible that the SEC just breaks off from the other conferences and says, we're going about it ourselves? Don't know that it's going to happen. Don't know that it's going to happen anytime soon, but it's something to at least think about. And as I've told you for the last three or four weeks since this Texas, Oklahoma thing happened, uh, just about anything is on the table right now. And so could the SEC just say, we're going to take our ball. We're going to go with ESPN and we're going to go do our own thing. Don't know if it'll happen. Do think it's interesting. Thought it would be. I think it's kind of funny that many of us remember a world in college football where Before the BCS, there was a time when the national champion wasn't decided on the field when, say, the Rose Bowl had the Big Ten and the Pac-12 winners. The Orange Bowl had the ACC winners and the big, uh, you know, whatever big eight at the time winners. The SEC champion went to the Sugar Bowl. We never knew at the end of the season who the best team was. Imagine if the SEC breaks off and we go back to that situation in 5, 6, 7, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. Again, don't think it'll be, happen, but I do think it's interesting. Uh, but yeah, this this alliance is really interesting. Didn't really feel like it was a 8, 10, 12-minute story, but wanted to hit on it really quick. A couple other basketball notes. You know, Amani Bates, we should get a decision this week, guys. And if we don't get a decision this week, it means it's probably either going to be Oregon or the G League-Memphis. Players uh, and and students have to be registered by this coming Thursday, I believe, the 26th. So we should get some information on Imani Bates. And then how about this? Did you see what happened at Coach K Academy? That's right. Coach K, of course, has his uh, fantasy camp, which, by the way, was like $12,000 or something absurd like that. Uh, Yes, each camper had to pay $12,500 to attend Coach K Fantasy Camp. 84 people were experienced flu-like, 84 people there uh, were exposed to flu-like symptoms, fever, muscle fatigue, and nausea uh, from a bacterial infection called lesionella. Not a doctor. Don't claim to be an expert. But how about going to Coach K Fantasy Camp, paying $12,000 and being exposed to lesionella, uh, a bacterial virus that was caught at coach k fantasy camp the coach k uh, goodbye tour off with a bang as you pay twelve thousand dollars to go to fantasy camp next thing you know you come down with some crazy weird disease but like i said i think it's time for me to get out of here that is all for this episode of the air tour sports podcast fun show and if you're new to this show This is how it's going to be during college football season. We're going to talk a lot of college football, especially Monday is going to be a reaction show. Pretty soon we will go back to three episodes a week. It feels like it's about that time. Uh, But three episodes a week coming up, a lot of reaction on Monday's show. And then from there, we're just going to get rolling. We're going to get rolling into football. We're going to get rolling into basketball. Got a couple huge mega guests coming up as it pertains to college basketball as well. So stay tuned for that. And then as I said, Stay tuned to my Twitter feed, stay tuned to my social media, because I will be announcing kind of the next chapter of my career. Really excited, some really fun stuff coming. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres and at Aaron Torres uh, pod on Twitter. But that's all for today's show. Let's get out of here. Before we do, I want to remind everybody, make sure that you are, in fact, subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, iTunes, the podcast, Addict App. Pod, being Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed. Spotify is blowing up. iTunes is blowing up. Make sure that you're subscribed. Also make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you don't like, what you like. All that good stuff really does help us move up those iTunes charts. Make sure you're following, as I said, on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com that is all for today's show shout out to Torrent craig shout out to Rachel hates my voice I will be back later this week more college football college football season is here a lot of big announcements stay tuned Aaron Torres podcast talk to you later party people